first, let me thank you for doing this. Um, I am in the process right now of editing the first episode that I did around this conversation with somebody who acknowledges she is not a therapist. She's a coach who has had this experience and she just wants to offer support. Having said that, yeah, just the editing of this is fascinating and exhausting and hopeful and overwhelming and all of the things all at once because this yeah. topic is just I don't even know how to explain it. It's just yeah, it's endless. It really is, and it, it there's a lot. It's the emotional roller coaster um, of yeah. So that makes complete sense. Good. I'm glad it's not just me, and it just feels no. Like, it brings up a lot. That's yeah. it. It does feel like the uncovering is substantial. I mean, just the process of the uncovering. Never mind the actual results of it. Yeah, it's um, a painful journey. And that's helpful to hear. So let me introduce you, Sonia. Um, and am I right to say that you are a therapist? You're a licensed therapist that includes this this area. Is that right? So it started with actually oh, becoming a life coach. And then I went into intervention and human needs psychology and into um, energy healing and more into the counseling. Can't use therapy in New Hampshire, so I can't say that I'm licensed that, but am able to get to the heart of the matter and uh, really help people transform through okay. this. Thank you for that clarification. And let me just ask, just ask you to introduce yourself. I already let people know your name is Sonia, Sonia Lynn. And we met, it's been a couple of years now through networking. Yeah. But Tell me what it is that you do and why you love doing it. And then we are really going to get into a specific area of how you help. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so it started with a healing journey for myself, um, not knowing there was a name for it, but um, codependency. So it was a very painful uh, place to be. And I just started to dive into myself of trying to understand why did I feel this way and uh, what was going on. And through that, just got so interested in the psychology and human behavior, why we do what we do. And through that, it just started where um, that, you know, narcissism, codependency, I, these were new words to me. And uh, realizing the importance of starting to make connections of a lot of people in that experience and having clients that are going through and understanding, thank you, there's, there's words for this. Um, and I don't like to use labels. I believe they limit us, but it's to bring some awareness to behavioral patterns. It's not who we are. It's just behavioral patterns. So I've just become really passionate of creating Living Unbroken, which helps people break the cycle, heal, their broken hearts and homes and really um, just be able to heal to attract healthier relationship with themselves and others. I think that getting to the heart of that, that last part of what we attract and mm. the why we attract it, it yeah. feels as though that that can be just, it's so empowering, I would imagine, to be able to understand what it is that we do and why we do it and then being able to yeah. do it differently. Not that it's easy. But few things that are empowering are easy. So let's just put that aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's it's really choosing the the, the pain because it's more painful to stay in it and to blame others than to look at 
what is it that I can do to change to step into our power, um, you know, and take responsibility so then we can attract what, what we deserve. Now, that thing that you just said, the choosing the pain, I've mentioned a few times on this show, um, somebody that I consider to be a, a distant mentor. I say that because I've never met her, but she's somebody that I follow. She's a photographer, businesswoman, and mm. she's the first one I've ever heard introduce the idea of you choose your pain. Yeah. Your pain. So you can, you can say, well, I don't want to make any changes because change is painful. Okay. That means you choose the pain that you're sitting in now. Yeah. But either way, you choose it. And either right. way, there is pain. <laughs> and it's opening up that choice. And that's a, a speech I just did for This Is My Brave. And that was in my speech of talking about, um, you know, we, we choose our pain. We all have hard things. And there are people listening that have gone through pain and hard that I don't even know. Uh, we, we all go through, like you said, you know, painful things. And as comfortable as or we may, you know, get stuck in that comfort zone, but that it's not comfortable at all. And familiar. the only way is through. The it's only way is through. That's it. Yes. Yeah. What we think is, is comfortable. Yeah. It's just what we know. Yeah. So yeah. And we can go back to familiar because then we want certainty and we can become so addicted to that certainty because it just opens up the unknown and then the fear gets in the way for sure. Right. And even continuing on that one path, and I know there are many paths to take, but that familiarity also keeps you um, kind of in a safe area with the people around you. Yeah. Well, this false else sense of safety. Right. Yeah. True. True. And, and you kind of know your place, I guess, and everybody has their place. And mm -hmm. once you start breaking out of that, well, that's uncomfortable too. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about, first of all, from your experience as well as your education, what would you say on the on the topic of narcissism, what are we talking about? So it's a defense mechanism to acquire power and fuel. That's what narcissism is. So I found a lot of the research that shows, you know, different traits, behavioral patterns, but that doesn't explain what it is. So that's a real glimpse into what narcissism is. Okay. It's so wounded energy. That's important to realize because it seems like such a contradiction. Because then somebody who wants to sort of lord power over others, they don't seem on the surface necessarily to be insecure, right? Because they're like in your Right, they have body. security. They have arrogance. They have, it's not a lack of self-esteem for sure. Uh, because it's, a, yeah, an abuse of, of power um, that can attract insecurities and low self-esteem. And, uh, you know, we can be, well, I say we, but... Um, in that place, it's it's energy for them because they don't care whether it's positive or ne negative. It's just fuel and energy that they don't have access to until um, attaching to others to get their energy. Can you talk more sense. about that? Yeah. Uh, so they don't, one of the, the hallmark traits of narcissism is lack of empathy. And so it's a, a magnetism. Oftentimes there's a dance between narcissistic traits and codependency traits. And there's this magnetic pull. There's, there's charm. They know how to um, talk from the head and tell us what we want to hear. And these not knowing how to meet their needs 
in a healthy way on their own. So needing someone else um, to be able to do that for them. So what would be some of the needs that they are trying to have met that they can't meet on their own? And the reason I'm asking that is if, if we're a person who might be drawn to someone with these tendencies, we need to know what we're looking for. And later on, we're going to talk about what it, what we need to look at in ourselves. Yeah. But before we get to that, yeah. first step, what is it that maybe they're lacking? What need can they not find in themselves? Yeah. So drawing us to them. Um, access to their heart center because they're so in their head and they're in coping mechanisms of survival mode. They don't know how to take personal responsibility to access their heart and soul. There's three different levels of love and there's selfish, immature love. That's where narcissists are. You know, it's, it's a, a childlike, you know, demanding love. That's what we do. And so it's a very immature level of love. And so that next level is the conditional love. It's trading, it's keeping score and a- attachments. You know, it's um, I'll do for you, but keeping track of. And so that next level of love is, is conditional love. And so they're not able to access, you know, unconditional love. Um, which is the next level. That's where you can just be. You're not trying to control someone. You're just um, able to just be your true authentic self. Um, they're not able to access their heart and, and their spirit because it's that self-defense mechanism. So they have all this armor up of trying to prevent them from feeling the pain that they experience through trauma. Uh, So as you describe somebody with those tendencies, it seems as though it would be more than easy. It seems like it would be a draw for somebody who tends to want to fix and save people. They are going to be drawn to that person because because they see a wounded person. So they- That's it. It's wounded energy. Yeah. Not that they don't see- that this person can be damaging and harmful and hurtful, but yeah, they want they're coming from a place of concern or fixing that energy of, of wanting to fix and, and thinking that we can fix others and that it's our responsibility to do so. Yeah, for sure. Two very different, but broken ways of thinking. So let's sort of dissect both of them. We're talking about the, the person who has the narcissistic tendencies and it's clear that it is, not just an imbalance, as many disorders are, but more um, an experiential. Something has happened to cause trauma, and their way of not coping has led to this sort of behavior, correct? Yes. Yeah, they're not able to take the responsibility. So there's trauma um, on both sides. Um, And yeah, wounded-like energy is going to attract more of that. Okay. And and it would just seem like that, that cycle would be so damaging because I'm just like, I'm just picturing. So you have somebody who is in that state that is kind of overwhelming, overpowering, and not at all in touch with their feelings as far as in a loving, kind way, but something like so 
it seems so strong. It seems like they are so strong and secure within themselves. And that's such an attractive thing to somebody who does Yeah, this false sense. And if I may kind of add, um, I was talking to someone and we were talking about wounded versus healthy and this balance of masculine. And I think there's a lot of confusion growing up right through our programming of what is healthy feminine and what is healthy masculine energy sure right yeah so i I can share what that is if that's that would be helpful oh please yeah (laughs) okay because i think that ties in a little bit of what you're talking about you know that this power or what is you know masculine energy and 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 feminine energy and, and the healthy so just uh wounded Wounded masculine, perpetrator, abuse of power, domination, aggression, control, competitive, confrontational, criticism, abuse, unsupportive and unstable, and natural masculine healthy energy would be confidence, inner strength, focus, um, taking responsibility, support stability, protection, boundaries, courage, um, and assertive. So there can be this confusion as to what is control, what is assertive, what is confidence, what is arrogance, and really being able to differentiate between healthy and wounded. Oh, it can be such a fine line. I would yeah. think if you haven't been raised yeah. with the respect of others. Of understanding, yeah. Yeah, and not knowing. And then, so for feminine, you know, wounded is victim. It's powerless. It's weakness. Uh, Manipulating. And uh, we all have access to all of of these. But neediness, codependency, um, oversensitive, overemotional. And um, the natural, healthy feminine that we have before trauma, we all have this, you know, within us is that unconditional love, that understanding, nurturing, tenderness, creative, intuitive, um, emotional, allowing, um, you know, feeling. So those are just a a few to, um, but we can, you know, crazy eight between the two of when things are going well for us and being our healthy and having compassion and empathy and, then flip-flop down to victim or control or manipulation. And really the breakdown in relationships with ourselves and in other relationships with our partners or any relationship are insecurities, criticism, and control. And that's all wounded energy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's heavy. It's it heavy. And in doing the speech I was doing, I could feel it in my body just as an example. You can't heal in that toxic environment. And even just talking about it, you know, that this could bring up some triggers for people and and be very emotional. And I know when I talk about my story at times, I can feel the discomfort and pain within me because we're talking about it. And it's, you know, toxic, wounded. it, it affects our biology and our physiology. Okay. So people who might be listening to this, um, 
when you talk about masculine and feminine energy, you aren't talking, just so I know, you're not saying that men are like this and women are like this. It's exactly. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. I wanted to continue on that. And yeah, just that we, we have both and we have access to, to all of these, whether we're under, you know, stress uh, or, you know, just um, in a, a healthy state. And there can be men and women on, on both sides. Got it's it. okay. not, yeah. And because that's also to say that um, men are not exclusively those who have these tendencies. Women certainly can as well. Yeah. The statistics show there's a larger amount. Uh, the percentage is higher, but absolutely not limited to. Okay. And, and um, getting back to the root of it something has happened in this person's life. And I did hear this really interesting talk that mentioned that take two people who have both lived in painful environments. They were raised in painful environments. But there's something about one's disposition or their training or whatever it is that they end up becoming the narcissist. Yeah. The the genetic predisposition. Yeah. The other one becomes the enabler or the person who is seeking out that person to help them to feel better. (laughs) Right. Because we don't know how on our own. So in that state, if we don't know how to feel better on our own and there was neglect or abandonment or um, addictive behaviors that, um, or substance abuse or something that uh, we are a product of, it's how do we meet our needs on our own in a healthy way? And Yeah. Now you have very nicely laid out some of the tendencies, some of the the traits that we might see in this person who is a narcissist. You've also mentioned that of the codependent. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about what codependency is? And the reason I'm asking is I feel as though with, with the abundance of information, we can somehow, there are times that we aren't being in informed. We're not gaining knowledge. We're just gaining too much information. uh, We are in a time of information. And yeah, we are in an information age and knowledge, and it really is taking action to step into the wisdom. So it can be really overwhelming and overstimulating. Exactly. So let's take it out of the realm of a hashtag. Um, Narcissistic tendencies are very real. Uh, a person doesn't have to have all of the narcissistic traits for you to be typically five out of the nine. So yeah, don't be alarmed if you feel like, Oh gosh, I I do that. There's an overlap. Control is also part of codependency. And yeah, so not to think that just because there's a few of these popping up to think, Oh, am I a narcissist or am I codependent? So please don't, yeah, jump to that. Uh, because I have an assessment that does, you know, show a, a ranking of, of where and, you know, is there a need for help and concern versus not. But to answer what you had said of what codependency is a learned behavior that's passed down from generation. And that's part of this living unbroken. We are breaking the cycle of behavioral patterns that didn't start with us. It's our responsibility now, but it doesn't mean it started with us. So that's part of when I say we're not broken. It's just broken, faulty programming. We are whole, but it doesn't feel that way. No, it doesn't <laughs> at all. Right. But it's this unlearning and uncovering. So codependency is an emotional behavioral condition, and it affects our ability to have healthy relationships. Um, 
And in that speech I was talking about, it's, it's a love addiction. It's a relationship addiction. And we're trying to meet, have our needs met from another party because we don't know how to do it on our own. Um, so it's really learned by watching and imitating um, other people that, that display that behavior. Okay. So love addiction, relationship addiction. Can you talk about that? I'm going to keep doing this. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but here's my thing is that yeah. those of us who don't know or only have heard a little bit who have this yeah. information and not necessarily knowledge, mm-hmm. I know for you, this is like routine. But for a lot of people, I think it might resonate with them, but it's at the same time yeah. new. You know what I mean? So if you yeah. bear with me. Yeah. No, it's uh, people are all different levels and uh, for sure. So. So what would you say? So you just mentioned this love addiction, and we're talking about the person who is the enabler, is the codependent. Yeah. And and you said that the codependent is a person who has been taught behaviors for, for coping, right? Yeah, both sides, right? It's just, yeah, it's a coping mechanism of not knowing how to meet our own needs without getting that fuel or needs or from someone else. So we're so dependent and addicted to other people because we don't know how to feel better on our own. Okay. And we can be people pleasers or so focused on others um, rather than looking at ourselves. Um, Our attention is always beyond to something else and thinking we have to get external from others or the answers from other people. It's not trusting ourselves or believing in ourselves. It's so disturbing. So you've got you've got almost polar opposites, right? You've got the narcissist yeah. who has learned to, to cope with their own trauma and their own issues mm-hmm. by lording it over people and trying to to suck the life out of others, and that's where they get their power. And then you've got the codependent, yeah, the false neighbors. sense of power where they get the power, and then this powerless, right? It feeds they, them. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to add on, we're talking about the codependency. And if I may just go on of explain a little bit of what independent and interdependent relationships are, because that's the journey of, you know, the next step from, from codependency, which is where I was, and it is excruciating relationships, other, it's very painful and excruciating. Um, But the independent is not depending on another for livelihood or substance, uh, not being able to on our own. And then independent is not depending on others. However, there's another step beyond that. And I see a lot of people staying stuck in that independent. I don't need your help or not able to receive or, um, I, you know, I, I got this. I'm an independent person, which is really powerful. And a huge step that I don't want to dismiss from codependency in a process. But then there's another level beyond that. And that's where the healthy relationships are of an interdependent relationship. So codependency is this loss of self. And an independent, it's two strong people, which is basically that healthy energy, healthy, masculine and feminine, not wounded, who don't sacrifice and lose that sense of self, self um, or compromising values. So it's a spiritual partnership. So it's this journey from your head through your heart to your spirit. And that's where 
each person just values the sense of self, is able to meet the other person's needs because they're able to meet their own, because we can't give what we don't have. And the passion stays when you're able to then be able to know how to meet, you know, your other person's needs, but not to replace it for them being able to meet it on their own. It doesn't stop at independence. So a lot of times I've um, seen, you know, codependent to independent, which is uh, an amazing process and so worth taking that journey, but it continues. It continues beyond that um, as well. And I just want to mention that. I would think, though, that there would be a real sense of vulnerability and even fear and apprehension to take that next step of becoming the interdependent because you, it, it's as though you've, you've finally figured out who you are and that you, you can be a certain type of person. And now I have to be able to let other people in. What's yeah, to stop it takes trust. Become, yeah, yeah. And yeah, believing in yourself, this trust uh, and this, you know, healthy confidence of coming from part of being open to be, like you said, vulnerable yeah. and not, not staying in the fear of, uh, but having that, that belief in yourself that you'll be able to um, pick up on those traits or just really believe in, you know, where you're at and having the intention of attracting who it is and what you want. Um, because once you're set with your values and strong, you're going to have boundaries and understand, um, you know, what it is that you're looking for and, and not, not settle for, for anything less when you have that value, that self-love and value for yourself first, so which is essential. I would think so. But I, I would also think that if you've been through that really painful experience and now you kind of want to let people into your life, if you have had a lifetime of drawing toward you, people who were in some way damaging to you, do you find that people um, second second guess themselves, or once they get to that state, okay? And That's I would my love first to. Response. Like, oh, how do you do that? Yes, and I would love to add to be kind to yourself. It's going to take guidance. It's not going to happen. If we knew how to do this on our own, we would if we knew how, because we do the best that we can. And it does take, it's, it's, it's an addiction. So it's, it's a process. What's the addiction? Well, as far as the codependency, that love addiction. So I remember I was very confused and I'm like, I've never touched substance, drugs, alcohol, alcohol is a drug. And all I could say was this burning fire as I rocked uncontrollably I tried to explain it to people and I said, it feels like I'm a, an addict, not understanding because I was, I didn't know how to feel better on my own without someone else. So what was and it that you were addicted to, to being in a relationship or being in a relationship with a toxic kind of relationship? Okay. Yeah. It is a process. So to not beat yourself up, if you've done it again, I've actually attracted worse the second time off. Um, as far as sociopath, where then the difference between narcissists and sociopaths, um, which is that next step, um, is really more harmful, dangerous behavior. You know, we may have low codependency tendencies, 
or, you know, be on the, the higher scale of a lot of the, the, um, the behavioral patterns and same with narcissists, there's different levels. There's just, you know, have a little bit of those traits. Okay. Um, or the ultras, which are just really full fledged, you know, narcissistic traits, you know, there's different scales as to how codependent or, or how narcissistic. So it gets thrown around a lot that someone is that just because they have a couple traits or tendencies. Well, we all have the ability to manipulate. We all have the ability to, to control. It does not mean that, that we are. So I want to also just kind of, you know, make that clear too of um, that process. Uh, well, that's a beacon. That, that's something that I think probably we should pause and just take a second to talk about because yeah. that means if, even if a person does have strong, we'll say, we'll start with narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. can they, can they fix them? Can, can they get help? The ultras, no. And what, so what is the difference? So at what point, because here's the thing. If you're on the other side of the relationship and you're drawn to this person, then you're, if somebody gives you a, throws you a line and says, there's some hope, you know, this person can change, then that that person's going to stick it out until, (laughs) until the end. So at what point can it safely be said, no, this person will not ever change? If there's variations. a loaded question. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of variables there. Um, I would say a sure sign is if they're not willing to get any guidance or, um, you know, because we can't change others, we can only change ourselves. And a lot of the process is just what it is that we can do. Uh, And and that's a sure sign if someone's not willing to be open-minded to grow together and to look within to make some of our own changes. That's, that's a red flag there. Mm. Um, Which sounds so reasonable because of course, if a person's not willing to change, then they're never going to change. Yeah. Let me rephrase it. So if, if say, um, say you're a woman who's in a relationship with a man that seems to have these tendencies and you're listening to this right now and you recognize those tendencies because none of us, because you can't just say blanket. Well, you know, if you see this or this, leave. Yeah. We're not saying that. Oh, but, okay. Okay. But what are some things that, that a person can look for? Yeah. To allow if they're them talking to from s- their head and saying what they want to hear, but nothing changes. So if then, if we're just going to say the woman in this scenario, the woman yeah, we'll use woman and man. Okay. So for this he, example. Yeah, thank you. So if he is somebody who maybe makes empty promises, yep. I, so they may even be able to say and acknowledge, yeah, I know I messed up. I'm going to change. But then that doesn't happen. It's the actions over the words. Got it. But the words may actually show up. They may actually. The words are going to show up and they're going to say what we want to hear. But the actions are what really speaks louder. And codependence have pockets full of saris and narcissists do not, they don't have that capacity to take the responsibility. But they'll say it. They may say it. Some don't. Um, Some may say it from the head, but not mean it from the heart. Because nothing changes. Okay. Yeah. It's an excuse for behavior uh, 
but you know, it not taking the feelings into account of wanting to, to change the behavior. Yeah. Okay. So if once again, you are this woman and you have heard for months and maybe years, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to change. And of course, at that point, the woman is hearing what she wants, what she needs to hear, not just what Mm -hmm. she wants to hear, but it's feeding her because then there's a little bit of hope Mm -hmm. that's been given. Yeah. Hanging on to this false sense of hope. If it doesn't change, we are not saying, and the relationship but certainly you're not crazy for thinking that it shouldn't be like this. <laughs> yeah, you're not crazy. And that's what I say in my speeches too. You, we're not crazy. Our mind is crazy. And then there's the gaslighting, which is psychological abuse to then get us to second guess where we don't have the trust because the narcissists are, um, you know, we're questioning our sanity because uh, of what they, they say. Um, so our, our memories, our perceptions, they're being challenged where then we look within, um, you know, full of doubt and fear. And, and from that manipulation, it's coming from that place of fear that we don't believe that we can handle. So at that place, again, it's that focus of trying to change the narcissist instead of looking within for ourselves, because through that process, then we're going to grow and change and not tolerate emotional, physical, or abusive behavior. So when we stop blaming others and look within of what can we, we do and what can we change because it's out of our control. So there's that control on both sides, feminine, masculine, of, of trying to control and, and fix and change what's beyond ours to do so. Okay. I, I would like to carry the conversation then because I feel as though you have identified You've given some real signs to look for. Probably if you're in this relationship, you don't have to look very hard. (laughs) So signs to recognize that you're in this kind of relationship. But if you are that that woman, that person who is on the other side of that relationship, um, first, we have already established that you have these tendencies, these codependent enabling tendencies, possibly for the very same reason that the narcissist has. Something has happened, yeah, and you yeah. have developed these mechanisms to mm-hmm. survive, and right? And no boundaries. Okay, so that's what we're looking at. How is this going to show up in their life? Like the most basic ways. What, what would a how would a person live in such a way that would make them this enabling codependent person? So the signs. I mean, I I know in my mind. I can immediately think of things, but I want to get from your perspective because it's not, it's, it could be easy for a woman to hear this and say, yeah, that guy really is a narcissist. It may be harder for them to say, Ooh, I really am the enabler. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Making excuses constantly, right? Um, just not having the boundaries. It's, you know, you're walking on eggshells. It doesn't feel safe to say no and to draw the line um, in fear of what would happen. And just that caregiving, trying to, um, you know, take care of that person um, and allowing, allowing abusive behavior. So what were some ideas I had? 
very much a lot yeah. of what you were saying, but okay. um, in line with that is the unsettled truth that much of what you just described seems normal if you've been in it long enough, like caregiving. Yeah. Like a good thing, of course. It's an out-of-balance caregiving. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that's a very high-level energy from the heart. Uh, but then we'll drop down to the victim and, and powerless, and that's that crazy eight because our cup is so empty, uh, and they're not filling ours up in a healthy way, and we're not because the focus we're not you know self care, self love. There we don't really know what that is at times because we're so focused on on the caring for someone else and hopes that at some point it will be enough where we're going to get what we're trying to, um, you know, and it's up to us to do that and, to, and have the balance of, of not over caregiving. And I would say there could even be points where you'd, you'd mentioned that you hope at some point they would try to fill your needs. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll include this, but I remember being at a point where that didn't even come into my mind. The only thing I cared about was, what can I do to make this better? How can this be made right? It had nothing to do with how can I be happy. <laughs> that was yeah. such a long lost memory. Yeah. But all it was was how can I keep this person keep from leaving? Person? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Like, oh, yeah. they did this. I will never put up with this. And then, then you put up with it. And it's like, um, the bar gets lowered to such a degree. The bar of acceptance, what you would accept in your life, mm -hmm. is lowered to the point that you are no longer recognizable as the person you once knew. That's what I think of. Right. Yeah. Complete loss yes. of sen sense yes. of self that just keeps going. You don't even know who you are. Yep. And yeah, it does. It okay. just continues to knock you down and to knock you down. Uh, and to second guess, like who... Who, who do you think you are that you should expect these things? You know, yeah. it's just this crazy making. Right. Um, or that you're worthy or good enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, you may start off, I mean, no little girl grows up thinking, I want to be in a relationship where I, I will accept lies and theft. And, um, <laughs> you know, you think yeah. that you're going to have these standards. Yeah, but once in this relationship, it just becomes this avalanche of you lose your footing once or twice, and you just start to think, "Well, maybe if I just accept that, then it'll be okay." But then there's never an end. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think of when I think. Yeah, of and you know, if we think about the Disney movies that portrayed the princesses. Right. That that's the programming from zero to six that a lot of us were getting that we needed to be rescued and change. Yeah. You change yeah. and Prince will come. <laughs> yeah. And they're very charming. Narcissists are so charming. So, you know, it's thinking of the, the Cinderella or Prince Charming or, you know, all these stories to have someone come and, and, and rescue, but, you know, knowing the difference between, you know, the, the healthy of um, protector energy versus, 
you know, control and, and victim and saving and fixing and manipulating and it just not knowing. Because like you said, we only know what we saw. And it's this unlearning to realize how unhealthy and dysfunctional it was. Wow, that's a really good point. <laughs> right. You yeah. Because we're not able to see when we're in it. And like you said, you know, it, it's familiar. It's all we knew. And it's it can be a challenge to go to, into the unfamiliar. And at times it just seems easier to go back to what we know and we get scared of can we do this on our own? Because they will tell you, you know, you're not going to find someone that's going to take care of you like this, or and they they don't want you to have that sense of self because it's coming from a place of need. And it's really breaking this cycle. We all want to feel needed and wanted and special and, and unique, but it's coming from a place of want. And we don't want to be in a relationship out of need um, and, and needing someone and being so you know, dependent. Um, we want to be a we want to be wanted. We want to feel wanted, not not needed. Wow. Yeah, that's really fascinating because that seems like a contradiction because this person could seem as though they don't need anything. Like they, they're strong, they don't need anything, but it's true. They need that that other part of the relationship in order to be who in order to sustain these these tendencies. Yeah. Right? And that place of wounded energy, which feels broken. It's thinking, okay, we need someone else to feel whole and that lost sense of self that we are whole and, and we can without someone else. It, it's not an overnight journey of all of a sudden dysfunctional relationships to healthy relationships. Mm. It's, it's not an overnight journey. Um, so just like, you know, alcohol, um, you know, abuse or, or addiction, it's it's not oh I failed. If another, it's you, you start back up, and just aware, you know, oh I attracted this person again. What are you learning from it? You know, it's it's a process of of healing from codependency, but really it's it's not being in a relationship for for a year, or not to say there's a timeline, but you've got to sit in that fire and find other healthy ways um, to be able to, because I mean, right after divorce, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm single. It's time for a relationship. And so many people I work with, like, no, it's the relationship with you. Otherwise we're just going to continue the cycle. Um, you know, but we think, Oh, it's the other person. I thought, Oh, it was the other person, but it was, why was I tolerating that? Why was I accepting that? Why was I in that position in the first place? That's the thing. That's what, yeah. And that, that's what I think is so important because again, a person may be that codependent, that enabler. Yeah. And it's, it feels unfair. It feels like, how, why am I the one who is in the wrong? Right. I'm the one who's trying, but right. that we feel like we're the victim. It's happening to us. Exactly. Exactly. But what is it about us that drew that person to us or drew us to that person to begin with? And that isn't putting blame. Honestly, I don't think there's any room for blame. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the blame. Yeah. But, or shame. Oh, uh, you yeah. know, feeling shame and responsibility are, are two separate things. 
you know, we can take responsibility for things without having guilt and, and shame for ourselves. We don't have to own all of it because narcissists aren't going to own any of it, um, any of the responsibility. And even if they did, it's irrelevant at that point because it's, I would think it really, let's just focus on what, why we do what we do and how we can do it. That's it. So yeah. Because we're going to find ways to meet our needs. So let's talk about that. Now, you just mentioned giving yourself time once you remove yourself from a relationship. And I would assume that's whether it's marital or friends or anyone that you find yeah. yourself drawn to. So you said sitting in the fire. What do you recommend? Because time doesn't, in my experience, time changes nothing. It depends on what you do with the time. You're just a year older. That's it. It's <laughs> right. that time heals. No, it's action. It's what you're doing. And it's that choice of that pain. So do we numb and suppress and to run from, to hide, to, uh, you know, going to another relationship? Well, that's numbing. Yep. That's, so let's talk about that. We're going to yeah. do a, a virtual checklist. Yeah. Things to avoid hopping right into another relationship without having done the work, the numbing, yeah. what could the numbing look like? What, like, what are well, some ways that people would numb? Yeah. Well, for me, it was food, sugar. Um, oh. yeah. Um, I guess my first one would have been like uh, drugs or alcohol, but that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it's well, sugar is a, is a I drug. Suppose, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so yeah, drugs, alcohol, which is really just, drug um we can be addicted to work we can bury ourselves yeah i was gonna yeah. say over social media i could think i could think how being overly productive could be a real tricky one because you're doing something good like it's really good to be productive yeah and there's different ways of meeting those needs because we're going to find in that fire in that void of letting go of what was so we're hanging on to these toxic behaviors but why we do what we do, we're going to find ways to meet our needs, whether they're healthy or harmful for uh -huh. ourselves or others. As, as, as human beings in survival mode, we're wired to no matter what, find a way. It's whether it's healthy or not for us. And that's part of that pick your pain. It's going to be painful to sit in the fire. It is painful. Um, to sit in that void and not go to our default way of feeling better. And that's where it's that journey of self-discovery and into self and self-care of learning. Wow. There's other things that I like. There's other things that I can do to put my focus on um, rather than just so hyper-focused on other people. And it, it is sitting in that, um, that, that space because it's as much as we, we numb or void or, you know, fill or, or, or hide, uh, the work isn't being done and, and nothing's going to change. And it, that paints really quite a word picture as you talk about sitting in the fire. It makes me think of like a refining process, which is painful, but the end result is really good. So yeah. are there suggestions? It's the only way to the freedom. <sighs> so yeah. what would you say? What are some healthy alternative yeah, that people can take. And again, I am really yeah. trying to come from the position of the person who knows very little, but recognizes something just isn't right. Like it's just not right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so what, oh, yeah. what can people do if their inclination is, 
wow, I've had a hard day. I'm just going to watch TV for six hours and have a bottle of wine. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Because, you know, the cup is empty and it, it feels selfish for caregivers and caretakers. It feels selfish to do for ourselves. And I remember that process of it feeling so selfish, taking care of the children and their needs and others. And I'm like, oh, educating myself or starting to, it, it doesn't mean um, me first. It just means me too, because oftentimes we're not even in that equation. We're just so focused on others. So a huge step is just practicing different areas of something for ourselves. Such as? Uh, just time for ourselves, being able to say no in the sense of, you know, if, if you just, depending on where you're at, it could be just taking a bath or some somewhere where someone doesn't need you or we're not responsible for others, um, you know, going for a walk, anything that's for ourselves that is helpful rather than harmful. Okay. And there's yeah. where that self-honesty I think would be really necessary yeah. and possibly having an outside voice. So having somebody else who has more of an aerial view of the situation, because for the person who maybe has taken that step and they've removed themselves from this painful situation, they may feel like watching TV for six hours and having a bottle of wine is very helpful for me. <laughs> so yes. uh, um, how do you feel having support therapy coach, whatever it might be, how vital was that for you? And is it, do you think? Yeah, it was essential. Um, really, you know, we're, we're wired to avoid pain and seek pleasure, but it's more, it's not as much as the seeking pleasure. We're really wired to avoid the pain. Mm-hmm. And as much as we run from it in different ways, nothing can change without going through it. And it's nice to have, um, a safe place with someone, but also it's learning to, you know, create your own safe place and to trusting, um, you know, to trust yourself, but a place to be able to feel seen and heard and to have someone, not a friend or a family member that means well, but friends and family tend to think they know what the person needs. And when you're working with a professional, it's holding the place because we're the experts on us. It's this discovery of who we are and what we need. It's not a place of, again, seeking outside of ourselves to be told what to do. That's the default of codependency or thinking that others know. And so there's, there's guidance and suggestion, but there's also holding that place to uncover what it is with where they're at because it may not be leaving right away because there's going to be all these unmet needs. It's going to take some action to build up some strength and some courage to, um, to really build that belief up, you know, in in ourselves. So it's, everyone's at a different point. Yeah. I'm glad that you made that clarification because it's wrong for me to even suggest subliminally that that means you should leave your relationship. I am not in a position to tell anyone to, to leave yeah. Do anything. I'm not trying to do that. And as I said that, it sounded like it. it that's what I was saying. Um, I just, I just feel like if, if though, if your tendency for your whole life has been to be that person who is constantly feeding the other person, I could see where it would be really tricky. To you said you need to trust yourself. 
I could see why that would be really hard because trusting yourself in the past has put you in these positions that have caused you so much yeah. pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely a process that trust isn't steps, going to. I guess. Right. Like, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. It is. It is one step at a time. But the first step is awareness, and the second is the abstinence because we can't heal in that environment. And you know, it's that abstinence. It's it's an addiction. So is it the abstinence from the alcohol, the drug, or other people, other relationships, uh, where we have to be able to sit in the fire to go within? And um, so the awareness, whether it's you know educating, gathering some more information and knowledge of understanding. Um, Sonia, how long has it been for you since you recognized the need to make a change, and where you are now? Yeah. So, um, my divorce was 2009 and I was and, and part of the answer of why I'm passionate about what I do. I was, um, in that victim state for years before I took personal responsibility mm-hmm. and just new relationships and blaming the exes that I was attracting and, and the pain from that. So I don't want other people to wait so long, like, like a decade. Um, but it took me so long to start to look within and take the responsibility because I was so stuck and felt so stuck and so lost and didn't know who I was. Um, I, I was stuck in that, that victim state of looking and, and feeling like I needed someone else to come and rescue me. So I had to work through all of those camps. You know, oh, I can't educate myself and take care of the kids and, and, you know, those fears that we have, the false evidence appearing real, a lot of them don't happen. Um, so it, it, for me was like a decade journey, it feels like almost, but it doesn't have to take that, that long. Uh, you mentioned being a victim. I had to come to a realization myself that there is great power in being the martyr. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but I think I found that there, there really is great power in being the victim and being the martyr because then you you can't move forward. You, you've put yourself in this state. Exactly. Like, well, I would love to be able to, but this is kind of like, yeah. this is who I, I don't have any choice. It protects us from taking responsibility. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't feel like it because you feel like you're responsible for everything. Yeah, it feels like you have the weight of the world on you, responsible for everything, and you're not able to see. It's such narrow tunnel vision, you know, in the victim that everything is happening to us. It felt like everything was happening to me. I would get up, knock me down, get up, knock down. But everything was happening for me, and they were all mirrors. So we're all mirrors, and the narcissists are mirrors for us mm-hmm. to see and to look within, um, to step into our power and you know, not the false sense of power of control and manipulation, but to take back our power because we're giving it away and it's exhausting. It's draining. And, um, it's, there was a lot of illness and disease there because it was all toxic wounded energy. Um, so it it is, it's different steps of getting strength back, you know, and, and really, um, 
accessing our our power and strength that we all have, even when we don't feel like we do. When we're in that darkness, we all have um, we all have purpose and power and light, even when it feels dark. So there, there may be people who listen to this and hear things like self care and taking time for yourself. And as we've already said, that feels like you're being selfish. Any I know it did for me. Yeah. Self-related is selfish. Like it mm-hmm. defined because the caregiver is all about the other person, all about right. the other person, right. um, the, them benefiting only, which is an amazing, you know, um, energy and, and place to have from the heart center of to others. But it's not selfish to to fill your cup up and have that self-love care. Um, for yourself because then you can give so much more when um when you do and and attract so much healthier to ourselves as well right the goal hopefully would be that if you wanted to be in a relationship it would be with somebody like you who who also wants to be giving and caring and and because then yeah and i had to who did i have to become to be able to attract what I want. And through that process of being kind to ourselves, a lot of it is going through attracting and understanding what we don't want, but then not focusing on what we don't want. Mm. Focus on what we do want. And it can be a place where we don't even know because we haven't experienced it yet. Right, right. You made a statement just a bit ago about your what you expect like the bad that you expect to happen ends up not happening anyway. Um, some of the time, none of it did. None of it did. And yeah. what were some of the bad that you expected that did not come about? Yeah, I mean, all these fears and doubts that I I couldn't do it. I would lose my house. I would lose my children. I would, um, you know, not be able to support them. Or who would ever want to be with me? A single mom of three children. You know, all these fears and doubts that, that come up when we don't have that sense of worth. Wow. Uh, wow. I didn't know you then. I can't imagine those things. Yeah. Even on your radar. <laughs> wow. Just when we were talking about victim, I don't want to minimize when we have been in that situation where we are victim to abuse but it's setting the expiration of how long are we going to allow ourselves to stay there, to step into our power. So it's not that people haven't been in victim states, but when we feel like things are happening to us, we get our power back when we're able to say, okay, this happened for us. What is the message that's being knocked at my door that I'm not looking at? So, Mm. you know, all these things that were happening to me and I wasn't able to see, they were, you know, getting louder and louder as time went on, trying to get me to wake up and to, so in the sense, once you're out of it, you're able to see they were all happening. They were all happening for me. So that must be a good thing to see. That must be such a good settling feeling. Yeah. I I think too, when you're talking about the expectations that you had that never happened, it just highlights the, the whole monster under the bed, you know, that once that the little kid believes that that monster is real. Mm-hmm. But once the, the, the light is shown under the bed and they realize that there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't mean the fear wasn't real, but the basis yeah. for it is just being fed the longer we avoid it. 
It is. That's the only way is to, you know, to, to face them and to really different steps, no matter where we're at. We don't have to jump into the deep end without knowing how to swim, but start, you know, just take the next step or, or getting your toes wet with creating new experiences that we can. It can just be that, oh, I can go for a walk on my own or, you know, no matter where we're at, there's no, when I work with people and it's, you know, oh, well, it's a baby step. It's just, it's where you're at. It's that next step. If you're in a grieving process, the next step might be brushing your teeth that day and that's success. So not to, to limit no matter, you know, or to, to label where we are as a step being too small. You know, it, it takes that process of believing in ourselves that we can. Um, it doesn't doesn't happen overnight. I'm really glad you said that because that's what I was looking for from you is, so what are some things that we can do? And using terms like self-care sounds good if you're accustomed to self-care. But as we've established, if you're not, it feels like, like I'm not going to go get a massage. Are you like, Who am I to get a massage? Yeah. But if yeah. the person can go for a walk by themselves. Yeah. That that is not a small deal. No, no, it's that's, not. That's helpful. Or just yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really helpful. Um, um how do you feel now? It's it's freeing. It's um it's peaceful. It's joyful. It's to look in the contrast, um, you know, when that's all you know and it's it's familiar. You're not able to see, um, you know, we can only access our higher, highest level of energy and below. So from that state, I wasn't able to see opportunity or to access peace or, or joy um, or freedom within. And it's, I just want to leave people with as painful as it is, I promise you that the only way beyond the pain is to go, go through it. And, and you don't have to go through it alone um, because there's a lot of times of feeling alone. Um, but, but there's guidance out there and there's, there's support. Continue on that line of thought. I think it's really easy once we've accomplished something to look back and say it was worth it. It was worth all of the pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's also easy to forget how painful what it was like when you felt like, I don't know if this is going to work. So in retrospect, sure, this is great. Definitely go, you know, go for it. Yay, you. But can you talk to the person who is sitting in that fire who feels yeah. like, I cannot do, I cannot take this? I would ask, how do you know that? Because we think that with things that we've never tried. And when we're in that can't, again, it's creating new experiences to realize, oh, that belief that I can't, I just created a new experience where I thought that and I could. And to really break those limiting beliefs of, of can't. And, and once you are consciously aware that you're the victim, yeah. then if you, stay, if you choose that state, you are choosing the victim <laughs> being you're choosing to be the victim. And that's a hard thing to accept. It is. doesn't mean that you yeah. just like up and go and up, turn your life yeah. over, but 
we get stuck in our story. Like I was so stuck in my story and I was victim to my story. We can get so addicted to the certainty because we all need comfort. I mean, that's just comfort is a survival need. We all need some comfort. We can handle and create some experiences that we can handle some uncertainty because, you know, it's not about what if we fall, what if, what if we soar, you know, these false beliefs that we can't handle things. Well, they're lies. We're still here. We've handled everything that has been brought to us because we're still here. So right there, that's, that's a limiting belief that we can't handle things. It's so true. I just saw the time. I can't believe I've taken so much of your time. I'm so sorry. Thank you for doing this. I, I have to ask you. You're welcome. From your experience, at least from your experience, as much as from the education you've decided to get as a result of your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how this is generational. This is something we've learned. It's something that if we're not careful, we will teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've chosen to do differently. With all of that, what would you say the answer to the question is, how do you want to be seen? I don't know how else to phrase it. I usually try to lead up to it, but really it just feels like there's so much. Everything has led up to that question. How do you you want to be seen? So what comes up for me is want to be seen as powerful and worthy and it starts with believing that we have power and that we are worthy first just very powerful and and loving to be able to embrace that unconditional love um and you know to be able to to have that without fear of needing to protect ourselves um so really just important to to step into that that feminine of, um, you know, unconditional loving and, and, and nurturing, um, but having, you know, a healthy power and confidence. So that balance of that, that masculine and, and um, feminine, healthy energy. It's beautiful. And having the opportunity to have spent time with you in person pre-COVID, um, <laughs> I'm glad that you clarified the beginning of your answer with the end, because for some they may see somebody who wants to be seen as powerful as being overpowering, and that is simply not you. It seems like your power has has come in finding all of these from learning, from learning. Yeah, in that journey of the codependency to independent, but also the interdependent, um, not that, yeah, not to stay in this false sense of of power, um, but but strength and, and courage and and love just this last little note of, you know, when codependents are trying to control, we, we don't feel safe. And, and, and that's why, but the true safety comes from letting go of control and, and letting go of that certainty of, of what we don't have control for and embracing the uncertainty rather than just focusing on it as all the what ifs of what could go wrong. But what about all the things that go right? Mm-hmm. I was really hoping that this conversation could touch on, honestly, whether it's narcissist or any sort of unhealthy relationship, but more dwell on the person that finds themselves in that relationship. And it has. Thank you for that. Thank you for 
letting people hear maybe who they are, who, for letting people hear the, the situation they may be in, but also to be kind of that beacon that it doesn't have to be that way. No. That no. even if you do identify yourself in the situation, it's not about it's not about the other person. <laughs> no, all that energy of trying to fix them is just yeah, um, it, it's taking away from looking within. But it's not selfish. It's essential to go in and and fill our cups up because we are worthy. Just thank you so yeah, so much. Thank you for it's, taking uh, the time. The, the topic um, is near and dear to my heart. So clear, and of course, are you in a situation where you are taking on more clients? I am. Yes. Okay. We'll make sure then to get your contact information there. Um, and anyone who hasn't figured it out yet, <laughs> listening to Sonia, you're just a very compassionate, kind, strong person that's that's been my first and consistent impression of you so thank you for opening yourself up to such a vulnerable situation and yeah and thank you for the the opportunity because those struggles do become our strength and as painful as it was then now I'm able to say thank you for all of that because I never would have been able to experience this you know without without going through that I think this is the uh, first conversation episode that I've had without a lead-in. And for one, it's long enough without me doing that. (laughs) And at least as importantly, I feel as though it's sort of a continuation of the previous episode. Though Tammy, my previous guest, and Sonia, the one you've just listened to, of course have different experiences. I don't even know if they know each other. But having their personal perspective laid bare for all of us to benefit from. I felt like you didn't need me to talk a lot about it. I hope that if you haven't yet listened to Tammy's conversation, Tammy Jordan's, that you'll go to the link in the show notes and be sure, or just find it. Tammy Jordan, it's, it's, it's in the playlist. It's the one right before this. Listen to that too. There are a lot of, um, oh, there's a lot of overlap, of course. But there's also, of course, a lot of differences. And my main goal, hope, is that it will just be an encouragement. While I have you here, I want to bring up another sensitive topic. And I'm finding that these these, uh, deeper conversations, I'm loving them. I am so grateful that those of you who are sharing this part of you are willing to do that under this under these circumstances. Okay, so I got a text after this person listened to my conversation with Tammy. And I guess because it was a, a deeper context, she was comfortable enough to ask me this question. Have you ever interviewed someone who felt like a loved one's choice of suicide shaped their course in life, and yet what she learned from the experience? The twists and turns and relationship dilemmas. And my immediate response was no, but now I want to. And so I'm just going to put it out there. If you feel as though you fit this description 
and you want to talk about how your life has been affected by the suicide of someone you love, I would be honored. I would, I would be honored to do that. And I, I don't want it to be, I don't want to make it sensationalistic. But if it can help someone else to hear your experience, if it can help you to talk about your experience, then it would be my privilege to facilitate that. I will say that um, under these circumstances, because of the sensitivity of the topic, if you know someone who has experienced this, please don't introduce me to them. It, It would be incredibly inappropriate for me to reach out to someone and say, hey, I've heard this. But if you know someone and you know that they would like to be a part of this conversation, please suggest it to them and share my contact information with them and we'll leave it. We'll let them decide. Summer is coming for those of you who love summer. Yay you. There's every reason to think that while things are opening up and people are excited about that, that we will continue to need to be safe. And we will always need to try to be kind, and I'll ask you to do that. And thank you for listening.